we're going to start with a nice word on Parsha Shmini. The Parsha talks this week about the Simune Tahara, about Bahamas, Bahamas Tahirim, Tamayim. So we know that by animals there's two Simunim, about Male Gaire, Imafres Parsa, right? Chewing its cards and, and split hooves. So I saw a nice uh, story from the Heidegger Bel Zeruv, that he once asked uh, one of the Chsidim that he should go collect money for Tzedakah. So this Chusid answered him, Rebbe, you know, it's, not, it's not easy for me to go collecting money. You know, I'm not a beggar, it's very, very below my dignity, he wasn't comfortable with that. But I'll definitely, I'll definitely uh, contribute to the cause, not, not a question. I wanna, I'll give money, whatever it is, whatever it takes, whatever the Rebbe needs, uh, as much as I could. Heidegger Bel Zeruv told him that by the Simune Tahara of Bahami, you find that the Bahama has to be Malagaira and Mafris Parsa. Malagaira, that's a remez for being able to give from yourself, right? Showing his cause, basically bringing up from himself, from the animal. So that means that somebody has to be able to reach into his pocket and take out, you know, help out and give a donation. That's, that's one of definitely uh, a very significant part of giving tzedakah and showing, and, and showing care for someone else. But there's another simtahara, and that's the Mafris Parsa, which is Maramas on actually walking around and collecting money and being able to go out of your way for someone else. And if you can only do one and not the other, if you can only be Malagaira, not Mafras Parsa, you know, that, that's, a, that's a problem. A person has to be able to go around and collect, and it's bakant, a lot of tzaddikim, a lot of erlachidim that did go around personally and, and get other and get other people to contribute, and that's a good lamasi. You know, on some level, that's, that's even a bigger form of tzedakah. So the is being maramas to us, you know, different ways of helping, and they're both necessary, it's not either or. Right, just like with Simone Tahara by Bahaima. And I, I think what, what this, you know, if we take a lesson from this, I think it's that very often we are ready to help others on our terms. There are things that we are willing to do, ready to do, and, and whether because it's easy for us to do, because we relate to it and we understand that this is what someone else needs. And then there are the other parts that, you know, this is either below my dignity or not what I signed up for or not something I think is important. Interestingly, when it comes to Tzedoka, um, we learned that that uh, he's supposed to give someone all his needs, whatever he needs. Afila Avid Ludus Lefunov. So it's interesting, right? Coming from the Yom of Pirim, right? Where we see uh, Homan carrying a Homan's way of being Machabed. He told Achishvayrish, he thought it was about himself. He should have someone walking. Kocha Yusel Ish. Hashemet, you know, there's something about walking in front of someone and screaming out and, and giving him that kind of COVID. And Chazal say that if somebody was used to this, and for whatever reason he has this mishigas of needing an Avid Luritz Lefunov, and now he's a Uraman, he's a Uni, he needs someone to, he doesn't have any money for himself. You, what he needs is, is whatever's important to him. Now imagine if somebody says, listen, I'm not, I'm, this is ridiculous, Avid Luritz Lefunov, I don't even have that myself. I'll give you money to have what to eat, I'll give you shelter, I'll make sure you, you know, all your needs are taken care of, but this is something I'm not, I, I don't think is important for you. That's not what Tzaduk is about. Tzaduk is about helping the person on their terms. Or what if somebody says, listen, um, you know, this, this much I could do, but that much I can't do. That, that's below my dignity. That's something I'm not okay. I, I'm not okay with. So I'll, I'll help you the way that I'm comfortable. So my point is just that very often, um, what's really demanded of us is to know how to step out of our own box and see what someone else needs from us and understand that giving that person on their on their terms that which they need that that's what that's what being a giver is about. Very often, you know, if people would just accept the fact that this is what's needed of me now in this relationship and that's what I'm going to do because that's what's that, that's that's what's really needed. You know, it just becomes so much easier to give the right thing at the right time and make everyone happy. And I just so let me read a letter. It's a little lengthy, so maybe I'll leave out certain parts. Okay, there by Gruen. First of all, thank you for your wonderful shirim. I gained a lot from them. He spoke in one of your recent Yiddish shirim that a woman's job is to take care of the home, and a man is supposed to be strong. I have a big problem in my marriage because my husband is so weak. Berkshem, we're married for just over ten years. Right after we. 
married and became apparent how incapable and emotionally weak he is. But Hashem, after many years of work, things are much better, and I try to remember that things are better and be grateful. However, although the problem is smaller than it used to be, it's still there and has a tremendous impact on our marriage. My husband is a very emotionally weak person. I'm working on on understanding that it's not his fault, but it's difficult. He falls apart in the smallest things. People that People say things or ask of him things and, and he can't handle it, he gets overwhelmed. He needs help with the simplest decisions as whether da da da. Very often I feel like I'm his therapist. He needs my help making decisions and needs chizik for all the different things that are never going on in his life and also giving a few different uh, examples over here. I enjoy helping him to a point but for the most part I want a man in the house. He gets very overwhelmed from his um, part-time job and even when he had a period of vacation, he spent most of it being overwhelmed. And then after that vacation was over, which was a nice long vacation, he felt bad that he didn't get things done the way he wanted to, and etc. Okay. Also, when it comes to Panusa, I feel that he should be working more and, and not relying on our parents helping us and things like that. I feel very vulnerable. And I wish there was more that I could do about this. His insecurity in regard to his personal life as well as our relationship makes things very difficult. I feel that this impacts our closeness and makes it hard for me to have respect for him and to feel loved and then he gets insecure about um, not being sure if I feel this way or not. Anyway, this is a lot of um, small details, I guess. He also has a very hard time making decisions and this gets very difficult with things that technically belong to both of us but we can't move forward with it because we're constantly in limbo because he's not He's not, he needs too much time to make a decision and get stuck on all the little irrelevant details before he could commit. And another example about that. Um, okay, so I think basically that the things that are making me feel the most insecure are the fact that the physical and technical difficulties of having a husband that can't carry the household and is so indecisive, and the emotional aspect of not having somebody care about me and somebody stronger than me and having to be his therapist and his chizik person and things like that. All this is besides for his bouts of anger and inability to see that there's another person who also has needs. So once again, thank you for all your sherman insights and, and questions and answers. Okay. So, with that said, um, let, let's, let's try to address this in a way that might be somewhat helpful. Um, without any major introductions, I think the first thing that has to be addressed and, and should be addressed and probably relevant to a lot of people, and as a matter of fact, I think it's relevant to almost everyone, is the issue of acceptance. There's a very general idea. Very general idea. Right? There's the serenity prayer that I mention every once in a while about uh, Hashem grant me the ability to accept that which I cannot change, to do whatever I could about the things that I should be able to change, and, to know the, and the wisdom to know the difference. There are things that we can't change, and many of them are about other people. Even about ourselves, there are things we can't change, by the way, but most often uh, when somebody really wants to, they could and they should, and they should not just decide that they can't change something about themselves. I tell other people to accept it. When it comes to someone else, you can't, you can't change someone else. Especially when it's something inherent or, or personality-based, things like that. And this is so often that I have people talking to me about situations that, that you can't do much about other than accept. Now, it might sound depressing or discouraging, but that's not the point. The point is not to be, to be upset that you can't change it. The point is to understand that that's how things are. Just recently, somebody came to me about, about two issues that were bothering him. One was about a married child. 
child to marry already, and it was a certain uh, strain in the relationship, certain things that the child was doing that he didn't like so much or whatever. And another one was about a child at home. Very different issues, totally unrelated. Um, but I told him, you know, all three things you're dealing with, um, I, there's not much you can do about. He's like, which three? I thought I, I thought I mentioned two. I said, you're dealing with three things. You're dealing with how your married son is doing X, Y, Z. There's not much you can do about that. He's doing it his way, the way he understands, the way he's wired, his, according to his nature, according to his capabilities. doesn't sound anything out of bounds, and there's not much you can do about that. The, the issue with your daughter at home, again, she's dealing with things based on what you're telling me, nothing out of bounds, nothing terrible, based on her personality, her nature, her age, her stage, her situation, her circumstance. Doesn't, I don't know, nothing you can do about that. And you're dealing with how you feel about it, and there's not much you can do about that either. Which means... You could deal with it differently instead of being resentful and, and waiting for it to change and looking for, for ways to make a change. Of course, you could change that. But the fact that it bothers you, you can't do that much about it. You can't do that much about it. Sometimes that's what part of acceptance means. Part of acceptance doesn't mean that I accept it, but, but I want to feel good about it. So then you're not accepting it. Part of acceptance means I accept that it's bothering me. It probably will always bother me because there are things I like or don't like about it. And, and I'm okay with that as well. I, that's part of what I accept. I, part of what I accept is the fact I accept that this is making me feel uncomfortable and it probably will always make me feel uncomfortable. And I accept that. And I stop fighting it. And I stop looking for it. And this is a general issue when it comes to personal help and, 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 and things that bother people on a personal level. And, and they're like always waiting to, to find the way to make it not bother them anymore. Looking, looking for the way to make it easy for them. Somebody just called me also recently about a whole, a, a whole CBT approach that a therapist was offering him how to get over a certain difficulty. You know, I don't like this approach because this approach basically means I have to do things that are hard for me. Um, doing this kind of therapy, working on myself, and I'm looking for the way it's going to be easy. It doesn't work like that in real life. There are things in life that aren't easy, and you're going to have to accept that difficulty if you want to get anywhere in life. So, so you're dealing with three things. You have two children that are doing things the way they want, which I don't see anything you can really do about it. I'll be honest with you. Oh, small things, obviously, we could discuss the little details what you could do different that might cause a change in what someone else is doing. But in general, you like one thing. The people around you are wired differently than you and doing things a little differently, not in a terrible way. And you don't like it. That's three things that might not change. Another thing, another, another guy I was talking to recently also, talking about different difficulties he's having with his wife. Okay, This question is a wife or a husband. It's, it's the same thing. And going on and on about something that's already years that this is not changing. And like I tell people often, you're going to have to come to terms one day with the fact that this is not going to change. This question is just married 10 years. That one was married uh, almost 20 years. It's part of who you married, and that's what acceptance is. Now, I'll tell you something. I think that almost everyone is dealing with some kind of acceptance or lack of acceptance. I think that anyone who has a magic button, a magic button, you can press this button and change anything you want about your spouse or any of your children, by the way. I don't think anyone would say... Mm, wow, so life is so blissful and my spouse is so amazing I, I, don't, I don't need this button give it to someone else I don't think anyone would say that some people would say I'll press it on my spouse's um, level of confidence or my spouse's looks or my spouse's mindset or something now this is not coming from a bad place it doesn't mean that, that everyone out there is so ungrateful and so unhappy and looking to control other people it means that that's how we are as a matter of fact most people would press that button for themselves as well on some area even people that are very self-centered, very arrogant, and very uh, egocentric, they wouldn't say, no, I'm perfect, I, I don't need that button. I think they would also you know, press the button for themselves. And what I mean to say is that I think almost everyone, besides the Heidegger Rebzisha, you know, the Mekanta story that he said, if Hashem uh, would give him the world to change, 
and, and, and the way he wants, what we, what he would just give it back to Hashem the way it is, because the Grace Amina, he knew that this is the, it's perfect, the world is perfect, the way Hashem made it, that's the best. Most of us don't have that mindset, and we would always want to change something about ourselves, or our spouse, or our children, or the world, or the weather, or anything. Um, but part of Hashem's master plan is that we shouldn't be able to do that. And I think the first thing that we, that we definitely have to know is, is what acceptance means. Now, it's silly because when people get married, they, they fool themselves, as much as we hear about this, but again and again, wow, I'm married the best person, I'm so happy, and that's, that's the right way to look at things, but eventually it doesn't take long for you to realize that some things are not exactly the way you would have wanted it to be. And that's really where acceptance comes in, and is so important, especially when it comes to personality differences, as I'm, I talk about often, and I write about in my book. So this is something very uh, basic. So in this case, you married a husband who from early on, it's already 10 years, you noticed, there's certain things about him that you don't like. Before getting too uh, nitty-gritty about what those things are, or what you can do differently about it, the first thing is real acceptance. And you write that things are even getting better over time, which is something to be very grateful for. And I commend you for noticing them and being grateful about them. But certain things are just not, in other words, certain things, could be as those things, that might never change. You could either live your life being angry about it, or resentful about it, or, or unhappy about it, or you could say, okay, this, this is the part, that, that's just here to stay. And, and, and work with that kind of acceptance. Especially because you write... You start off writing. You start off with something about. Uh, I have a big problem because my husband is so weak. It's up to you to de- to to decide. Do you have a big problem, or I don't have a big problem? I have a husband who's weak. This is the Matthias. This is the reality. I, it's not. It's not a big problem, and I don't choose to make it into one. I choose to um, accept it, deal with it, understand it, see what I can do about it, see what I can do about it, and all that. So that's just. Um, I guess it is introductory, but that's something very, very important. Now, let, let me go through a, a number of the details that you do mention, some of the points you mention. I believe that very many, I always say this, but sometimes I'm, I'm afraid that people will interpret it the wrong way. In your case, it's a man that you want to be strong, and you're looking at it like, well, the right thing is that a husband should be the strong one, and it could be your right. You'd be surprised to, to hear how many men are dealing with the same issue I wish my wife would be stronger. I wish we'd know how to run the house, take care of the kids, and make decisions, and that always come to me. It's the same thing. Obviously, the, the mushal is always different. The nimshal is the same. It's the same thing. So often we want something. We want someone to be stronger or weaker or more vulnerable or more confident. I want that to change. So, so it's, it has nothing to do with men and women. I'm just, that's all I want to point out. Now, I'm not your husband's lawyer. And I'm not your lawyer. I'm not anyone's lawyer. I, I am going to try to break down the different parts of what you're telling me, and see how we, could have, how we could have a different perspective on such issues. It's not because I'm sticking up for him, and it's not because I'm pointing him out to you, it's because you're asking the question, and it's important to give a healthy perspective um, to, to somebody asking a question. The first thing I want to mention, and I, I'm, not, I'm not using it against you, because it wouldn't make sense, I don't think, to send a, a separate email about each different thing that you mention, but I do want to say this. Very often we mix together a lot of different problems. Now each problem of its own is a 10% problem, let's call it. It's a, it's a low-level problem. When you mix them all together, it becomes a big problem. There's so many things that are, that are not good over here. And the, the fact is that you, live, you, you are living with all these things at the same time. So I do understand that they do combine and become a collective issue. But that's why sometimes it's important to just sit back and relax and take them apart and realize if, if each one or how much of each one is really a problem and if they really do intertwine or maybe they're separate issues and none of them are really that terrible. So that's just something to... Some food for thought when it comes to you know, talking about a lot of things at once. Now, without, look, without looking to trivialize what's bothering you at all, th- there is the idea 
about a husband being the stronger one and being the man of the house and being the one that you could rely on and lean on. Definitely. But here's the thing. Is it a problem if it's not that way? So this is something I spoke about once when somebody asked me um, that you spoke once about financials and you mentioned that the husband should be the one to make making decisions at home and paying the bills and taking the responsibility. And in our house, it's not that way. So it's not that way. My husband doesn't do that and I take care of all the bills and I want to know if it's a problem. We're doing this for many years. We're all happy about it. It's fine. I make the deposits and the withdrawals and I take care of everything. And I just want to know if it's a problem. My answer then was, why should it be a problem? If you're okay with it and it's working, what's the problem? And I want to, I want to tell you what that means. When there's an issue of conflict, right? When a woman has a problem with the fact that it's falling on her, or a husband is saying that it's really her responsibility to pay the bills, for whatever reason he decided so, that's where right and wrong does come in and say, oh, slow down. You're wrong. There's a way to do this. Or if a woman's spending too much money and the husband's not okay with it, she's swiping his credit cards without asking him or without anything, taking money, and, 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 and it's becoming an issue of conflict, that's where right and wrong comes in. Oh, slow down. doesn't work that way. doesn't work that way. You can't do what you want. We have a Toyota. We have, we have a way things work. There's, there's ways that relationships work. You know, when someone's controlling someone else. But if two people are okay with something and they decide they're okay with it and they accept the fact that for us this is what works best, that, that's fine. In other words, right and wrong isn't as relevant as we think it is sometimes. There's no wrong in relationships, as long as everyone's happy, unless it's specifically against what the third is, you know, something you shouldn't do. But in general, if that's what works for you, if you feel good, Mrs., when your husband tells you what to wear because you're indecisive and he doesn't mind telling you what to wear and everyone's happy about it, arranged, I think it's fine. But when you don't feel good that he's telling you what to wear and husband just thinks that it's, it's his role to keep on controlling his wife and, and, and telling her to please him and not think about herself, that's where it becomes a problem. So, the fact that you're not happy about the fact that you, don't, you have to make a lot of decisions and, have, and you don't have Uli on, could be that's where it becomes an issue where maybe if you're both coming and, and, and somebody would tell your husband, you know, not, you shouldn't be leaning on your wife that way, maybe you should be a little more... But if you're asking if it's a problem, I think it's up to you. In other words, maybe it's not such a big problem. As a matter of fact, in very many homes, this is the way it is. You'd be surprised. But in many homes, the, the wife is the stronger one. Do I think it has to be that way? No. So I'll, I'll give you an interesting example about this, this, this idea and how this applies. Just recently, I was talking to Ingeman, and he didn't like the fact that his wife was controlling just about every decision going on at home, about him, about the kids, about the marriage, about the home. It was, it was definitely overdone. And he went with his wife to someone for help, and, that, and, and, and instead of, because it was an issue of conflict, instead of addressing it responsibly and at least admitting to the fact that this is not healthy, it's not the way it should be, this therapist turned to the Gemara and says, you know, this is the way it should be. Women are supposed to run, you run the house. Women are stronger. Women are this. Women are that. And this whole feminist attitude, which was totally, didn't make any sense, by the way, had nothing to do with, nothing to do with women, nothing to do with anything. It had to do with control and, and um, bad middas and a lot of other things. Um, and, and, then, and then the therapist went on to say, well, if, if you wouldn't have such a strong woman, it, were, it would work against you and this is the way it should be. And a whole nonsense, which made, no, which made absolutely no sense. And it wasn't helpful, by the way. It wasn't helpful. But in situations where it's up to you to decide if you want to be okay with carrying the stronger role, I think it's relatively okay. There are many homes that way. I'm not going to deny it. There are homes that the husband is fine with the wife making decisions and letting her do so, and, and she's fine making it. And there are, there are times that she's not fine making it, either because she thinks it's not her place, or she, doesn't, she didn't grow up that way, but essentially there's nothing wrong with it. There's an interesting um, chiva in Saifah Chemda's show. He talks about the minig, which you know, some people think is a joke, but there happens to be many sources to this minig um, about the chusen and kala. After the chip, the chusen, the chusen stepping on the kala's foot. 
Now, of course, the point is not to hurt her or to uh, you know, make her feel bad, but the, the minig has early sources about the chusen giving a step on the kala's foot to, to show a certain hachnua, that he's going to be ruling over her. Okay, that's the, the basic idea. Whoever wants to find sources to that, you can look in the, in the Gavriel and, and others that bring a lot, a lot of sources to that and a lot of places where they actually um, did that. But in Chemda Shoal, somebody asks him a question, what do you do if, uh, if the kala is not clean and lahaluchi and, and, um, has a problem stepping on her foot? What do we do now? So he talks about it, if it's allowed or not. But then he writes something interesting. <coughs> Excuse me, he writes, Hagam Shaini Isaac ben Asturis. No, he says, the actual skilla itself, I haven't seen people doing this, this kind of skilla, stepping on the Kala's foot to get her to be, you know, to, to accept his authority. So I, I haven't seen people do this. In general, you know, using skillas, I think it's fine to be Mekayim Tumam Tiyam Hashem Adakeichu and do what Hashem wants and not look for any, any skillas. And he says, even though I, I don't know, you know what's really behind it, Metzini Vibaisa Shlavrum Avini we find that Bavrum Avini, the first Yiddish Ashtib, um, Sura was running the house. And we see that Hashem told Avrum, um, and we find that his house was a wonderful home, Mulech Sudim, Gemirim, and all that. And he writes, we see from experience, and that's why I don't see that it's so important to have a skill that's going to make the home be run by the husband because most homes, the way I see it, are being run by the woman and it's just fine. And he writes, a lot of times it's the one that, and the, the woman is the one that, that hopes the husband do the right thing, etc., etc. Now, I would say that this is an exception. You won't find many sources uh, promoting a Yiddish Ashtib to be run by the wife. And certainly not to use it against someone, uh, to, against the husband who has a problem with his wife controlling him. The point is not to say, oh, I found that she was come to Shoal. You didn't even know who it is. Right? So to, to just pick out a line in a cipher and say that that's what the, you know, this is the way it's supposed to be. What I did want to point out, however, was that if you're getting resentful and you have a difficulty accepting the fact that in your situation, by natural circumstance, because you're a stronger one and your husband is emotionally a weaker one, and you don't like the fact that in your home it's set up in a way that you're carrying more responsibility, I think that's part of what you should accept and realize it's not a major problem. There are, there are times and places and relationships you know, that, that have this kind of uh, setup. Now, it bothers you that the part that it demands of you to be his therapist and giving him the constant chizik and him relying on you for that, that's a separate issue. That's really where you, you could decide, and you should decide how much, if and when, and how much you want to you offer that. And there's a general thing where people feel sometimes that others are leaning on them, and they don't like it, and now it's up to you to decide how much do you want to let someone lean on you? How much are you going to be there for them? How much space do you need for yourself? How much is, being, how much is it being demanded of you? How much are you being controlled by it? How much could it be regulated and be done in a healthy way, and, a good, and with a good feeling that you're here to build your husband and to help him out because this is a natural difficulty he has? This, this, these are things that I think it's up to you to, to remember that, yeah, sometimes behind every great man is a great woman who's willing to support him and encourage him, and, and sometimes not, and that, that part is up to you. So what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to explain over here is, is knowing how to accept someone with their weaknesses, knowing how to accept a situation and be okay with it, realizing that it's not terrible, and then deciding how much will this demand of you in a healthy and regulated way without being resentful about that it's taking, uh, that it's taking too much of you. 
and, and knowing how to... And on the contrary, I would actually say that sometimes when it takes too much view, it's no good because that's where the codependency comes in when you're enabling someone's weakness by always stepping up to the plate and always covering for them. Not even realizing that some of his weaknesses is actually to be attributed to your covering for him. Not, not that it's your fault, but sometimes that, that codependency is not helpful at all. On a little more practical note, also covering some of the bases that you mentioned over here, and again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to start nitpicking your letter because I want this to be more relevant to more people. One of the things that I think your husband needs most from you is not necessarily chizik, not necessarily um, a therapist, not necessarily somebody to make decisions, as much as respect. And that's something that he actually deserves, something you should be respectful to a husband. Which means if I, if I were to ask him, and this is an important question I ask people very often, if I were to ask your husband, what does he think that you think of him? What does he think that you think of him? If he thinks that you think he's a problem, that he's a weak person, that he's a burden, that he's making things difficult, that's where you might be getting very stuck. In other words, a part of his weakness might be the, the, the perspective or, the, or the, the doubts that he has about himself, knowing that you don't think too highly of him. Now again, maybe you have reason not to. But if you're looking to help him, instead of just giving chizik and, and, and being a therapist, if you could actually make him feel that you look up to him and you respect him and you think so highly of him, that might be doing more for him than a lot of other chizik that you're giving him, and it might actually help him be stronger on some level. On some level. Some of it might never change, we said. But that's, that's one thing. When it comes to decisions, also on a practical level, um, I'm impressed that you want to let him decide, and it's good if a husband's making decisions and has his input. It's important to know how to balance that with knowing when to make a decision on your own. Very often you're dealing with somebody indecisive and people get so resentful that they, they don't want to make a decision because you're not making so I'm not. It's okay to tell someone, I'm more than happy to hear your input about this. I'd love to do it your way. Please let me know if it's okay if you don't tell me by, by tonight what we do, if it's okay if I decide. I understand that you're not sure, right? And I don't want to do it if you're not sure. Please allow me to make the decision if we don't have another way of doing it. In other words, there's a way to be respectful to somebody's indecisiveness without being overtaken by it. To know how to tell someone in a respectful way, especially when it's a husband, um, the fact that you can't decide uh, is something that I'm taking seriously, which means I don't want to just bulldoze over you and make all the decisions on my own right away, but I also want you to please be okay with the fact that this decision should be made and it's going to have implications if we don't, uh, repercussions if we don't make it soon enough. I, I understand that you're not certain. I'm not either certain. Don't sound like you know everything. Uh, please let me know if it's okay. And then be thankful about it. I just had this recently with two business partners. One of them was getting stuck with the other one about not, not letting make decisions and things weren't happening. It's nice to be respectful of somebody's indecisiveness. On the other hand, it's not nice and not good to be, to be stuck and paralyzed by somebody's indecisiveness and knowing how to balance the two because what used to be was one partner would tell the other, I'm doing it on my own, I'm not, yeah, that's it, you don't want to help me. But then it always worked against them. Oh, because you made that decision on your own, you didn't ask me. There's a respectful way to take someone's indecisiveness seriously and not, and not just disregard you know, whatever they have to say about something but at the same time to know how to respectfully be okay with taking the decision on your own and understanding this is what it is, like I said before, and being thankful that somebody let you make a decision. So again, it's just some healthy balances. Now when it comes to Panusa, just throw in a small thing, and that is that, yes, it's your husband's responsibility to support the family. You might not like the way he does it. Again, without going into detail, you might not like the way he does it. There are people that do it in ways that we don't like. You know, sometimes somebody will have an issue while he, he's taking food stamps and this and, and other programs or his Oshkoil is giving him money, he gets a discount. I don't like this whole thing. As long as he's not imposing on you to cover the bills, sometimes, even if you don't like it, it might just be best to work along. Yeah, but then my father has to give us, then his father, that. Listen, again, if it's not falling on you, sometimes, 
Again, it's definitely a case by case and it has to be dealt with the right way. And it could be there are better ways and more respectful ways of dealing with this in a way that will actually make it easier for him to bring in more money, an encouraging way instead of making him feel bad. I just, I just want to throw in that some, as long as it's not really imposing or demanding of you necessarily, sometimes it's best to allow someone to do it their way. And, and another part of acceptance, you know, he's not this big business guy and he's not as motivated and as aggressive as I am. And I could choose if I want to step up to the plate and help out with the income or let him do it his way. But as long as he's not demanding anything of me, sometimes letting someone do it their way um, is best. Now, the bouts of anger that you mentioned, I'll just throw in this last thing, and that's, you know, everybody has um, their shortcomings, everybody has their things to work on, their character defects and middles that they have to work on. Um, the most important thing for you to focus on is where or if it does affect you, but that's it. Noticing someone else's weaknesses and getting resentful about them because I can handle that that person has a weakness, that's not, that, that's not good. If his anger affects you directly, that's where you have to learn how to respond to it, how to not respond to it, what you could do to, to help yourself deal with it better, and sometimes that will actually have a better um, influence on him as well. But, but remember, what's his is his, and what's yours is yours, and, and don't make everything one big thing. So let me just finish. Um, acceptance. Acceptance. Accept your husband. Accept your marriage. Be thankful for the improvements. Make him feel good about the improvements. See yourself on a personal uh, note. See yourself in a good light as being someone who's good and trying their best. See your husband in a good light. Focus on his strengths. Show him respect for them. Make him feel good about them. See your marriage in a good light, realizing that, again, I don't, I, but in no way do I want to trivialize any of your difficulties, but Baruch Hashem, it's okay. We're living peacefully. It's fine. It's fine. Some issues, big, small, it's fine. See your marriage in a good light. Don't see it as a major problem. See your marriage as going upward and be happy for all the progress and hope that things will only get a little better without focusing on where someone else could do all the better things and where someone else's Natural deficiencies are causing us to be stuck. And like I started off with, there are two ways to help someone. Again, the Pusik's two ways, about Malagai and Mafresis Parsa. It's important to remember that some of you helping someone is not always going to be on your terms the way you want to. Some of it will be on their terms. Some of, you, some of it will be with what they need most. And when you, could do, when you could do this lovingly, lovingly, willingly, for the person that you care about most, I'll help this person, whether it's a child or it's a spouse, with what they need not with what I want to do, not with, not with what I think they deserve or what marriage should be or not be, with what's needed. That's what I'm going to do now, not just what's easy for me. When I yourself, this could help us get, get over a lot of difficulties, become closer, be more respectful, more loving, more connected. When I yourself live together, Baha'u'llah,